This is the Picard Podcast on TV Podcast Industries. We're here to wrap up Season 1 of Star Trek Picard and crown our winner of the 10 Forward Pub Quiz. Woohoo! Welcome back, fellow Trekkies and Trekkers. This is TV Podcast Industries, and we're going to wrap up Star Trek Picard Season 1, and we'll also be crowning the winner of our 10 Forward Pub Quiz. That is a very radio voice I have today. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Joe Lantru, fellow Trekkies and Trekkers, and fellow Pub Quizzes. Uh, I am one of your other hosts, John. And rounding out this isolating group of three, I am Chris. <laughs> we are f- quite isolated this week, aren't we? Uh, once again, I think everybody around the world sitting at home, uh, we are luckily able to podcast because uh, it gives the opportunity to chat with each other and have uh, have Skype calls with a purpose. Exactly, yes. <laughs> I am reaching out through the, the, the medium of Skype and touching your faces. Oh, thanks, I'm just Chris. touching the screen, which I'm going to have to wipe anyway. But I'm not touching your actual face, so it's okay. That's good. In real life, you've never actually touched my face, which is probably a good thing. We're close, but not that close. <laughs> yes, I'm, so, I'm still slightly disturbed by you touching <laughs> my face, Chris. <laughs> It's just my face you're disturbed with, or me touching your face. <laughs> no, you sure. touching my face. Uh, okay. <laughs> yes. But it is one of the great benefits that has come out of this, I think, is uh, all of the online meetings that uh, that I've been having with, uh, with just friends over the last couple of weeks. Uh, a couple of pints, a couple of bottles of wine, and sitting down with friends and chatting about uh, TV shows and movies and... Uh, and the COVID virus, basically. Yeah, we have actually been having virtual pub sessions mm-hmm. here yeah. with uh, with friends. So um, it gives me it still it gives me that idea for a virtual pub quiz mm-hmm. for TV podcast industries with booze. It it's might... an over eighteens establishment, yeah. and we'll have to come up with a good pub name. I suppose in this COVID time, we could call it the. Uh, dry cough or the uh, wheezy lung, maybe. <laughs> maybe that might work. That might work. Uh, yeah, maybe in time for a 500th episode, fellow Trekkies and Trekkers. This is our 483rd episode of uh, of TV podcast industries. Uh, so we will be getting to our 500th episode somewhere around. We think June. Uh, if if I've got my numbers right, uh, at ten weeks uh, from the end of April is is roughly what I've got, and the reason I know that is because that's when we're doing our coverage of Penny Dreadful City of Angels, the next show that we're going to be covering. Um, so I think the four hundred ninety ninth episode of TV Podcast Industries will be the last episode of Penny Dreadful City of Angels, which means we have nothing specific on our five hundred episode. We don't have to interrupt a run to celebrate our 500th episode we can do a specific 500th episode well that's it like given again this um global public health pandemic thing going on then with so many of uh like the disney plus stuff being Mm -hmm. uh, the production being cut down so obviously as fellow defenders as well we had all the disney plus marvel stuff that was coming on such as wonder vision uh that obviously there's loki there's um Falcon and Winter Soldier. Falcon and Winter Soldier. 
Uh, and so these things are, are slowly being kind of put back because the, the production's been put on hold mm-hmm. for the foreseeable future. So, uh, yeah, um, we will have to readjust. Yeah. All the movies that we had planned for the summer, they're all off the schedule, obviously. These are all little things. These are all entertainment things, so it doesn't really matter. But uh, we just don't know what our schedule is going to be after we finish um, Penny Dreadful City of Angels and our 500th episode. So, uh, so that might be a good pause point maybe or we'll have something planned we could do a big tv podcast pub quiz knees up online Mm -hmm. with our fellow podders Yes, or industrialists, or as industrialists. we uh, somehow coined them at some point over the last couple of months. Didn't we call them industrialists? I, I think so, yes. <laughs> yeah. Didn't we call you guys industrialists? I think we did. I think we did. But uh, just as a, a quick rumour discussion, potentially mm-hmm. we'll also have Black Widow. Because the, the rumour as of yesterday, which is April 2nd, not April 1st, mm-hmm. April 2nd, was that um, Disney is now evaluating whether to drop Black Widow on Disney Plus. Yeah. Um because of the success of Onward they saw. Mm-hmm. Um they saw now that did have two weeks in the cinema and then they brought it globally out on digital platforms and dig, uh, and uh Disney Plus, I yeah. believe. Um there is discussions now apparently um with the new Bob in uh Disney and not Bob Iger, the other Bob the the second Bob oh the new CEO of uh, the of new this. CEO right um apparently this is up there now along yeah. with himself and Kevin Kevin Fahey and a few others about would they consi- would they be open to this mm-hmm. because at the moment it is delayed indefinitely yeah yeah exactly they have no new date at the end of the day they'd be stupid not to have those discussions um it's going to be a stick to beat it with before it even comes out, though, is what would be in my head, because I can see the headlines already being written. You know, oh, there's a reason why Disney aren't trusting in this movie in the cinemas. You know, they're not going to hold it because they think they wouldn't make enough money with Black Widow, you know, because um, there's haters out there who are always going to turn it to something. Uh, but hey, I just want to see it. I'm really excited about it. So but I'm really was... looking forward to it. And I have a big enough TV, so it feels like if we sit far enough back, it feels like we're in the cinema. So uh, that's fine. Yeah, because there is there is a, a large discussion at the moment that actually anything that's coming out at the moment mm-hmm. is seeing greater than average um, love. Yeah, because you're putting it out at a time where people are clamoring for entertainment. Yeah, and I'd be much happier if Disney did something like this. Unfortunately, there was a, a recent example where the hunt the the movie that was done by Damon Lindelof. Um, yep. They tried to put that out digitally worldwide. Uh, in the US, it was put out on all platforms over in the UK and Ireland because there's a pre-existing deal. One of the broadcasters over here, Sky, they have a pre-existing deal where they get early access to all movies. So it went only to their platform for about two or three weeks. So yep. they tried to have this big international push for this movie to be released. And I think Invisible Man as well was one of them. Yep. Um, where it's only now coming out, I think, on other platforms, whereas... Sky had it two weeks ago because of a pre-existing deal. So, so unfortunately, you hit into those silly deals that block something from yeah. being as successful as it could be. Yeah. I know it makes a lot of money for Sky, and no, you know, no doubt that's how you make your money. But luckily, Disney Plus is worldwide now, and it is absolutely massive. It's a juggernaut of a uh, of a, a service. So 
if they put it on there, they're certainly going to make the money out of it. Um, but it doesn't give them any extra money, I think. I don't know whether pe- whether they have the capacity to get even more people signed up because it seems like everybody signed up for it. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, well, yeah. in the regions where it's not available, there's what they'll probably do, well, like what they do onward would be putting it on iTunes, mm-hmm. putting it on Google Play Movies, YouTube TV, things like that. Exactly, exactly. But we are here to talk about Star Trek Picard for the final time this season. Um, We don't know when season two will be back, but we know there is a season two coming. Hopefully you followed along with our 10 episode discussions. But if you're just here for the first time to uh, to listen to our overall thoughts, this is a good point to uh, to discuss our overall thoughts of Star Trek Picard. We are going to kick it off with some feedback uh, that we received over the course of the last uh, couple of weeks. Some people were watching the episodes a little bit later than others, so their feedback came in a little bit later. So we're going to discuss that first but make sure you subscribe to our podcast over at tvpodcastindustries.com if you want to let us know any of your thoughts about any of the shows we cover or just want to get in contact with us you can email us at feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com yes and of course you can subscribe to us rate us leave a review on any good federation or romulan supporting podcast player mm. including spotify google play and Apple Podcasts. Yeah, I saw a great initiative from Podchaser, this uh, podcast service that uh, you can listen to podcasts on and you can review and rate podcasts on. They're basically saying that if you review a podcast, they'll donate 25 cents to uh, food delivery services uh, in the US. I think it's a really good initiative. So, hey, so rate or review us over there on Podchaser and you can share some solidarity and charity with your fellow isolated uh, folks. Exactly. Maybe we should be doing the pub quiz sooner as well. Maybe. Maybe, but let's see how we go. But we first up have some spoiler-filled feedback from uh, about season one as a whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe uh, first up we had some Facebook feedback from Richard Blaze, and that is obviously over on our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash TV Podcast Industries, which had this to say about episode nine. Watch this yesterday and listen to the podcast today. Totally agree with your breakdown. And for me, it was the weakest of the series, which... For me, I've thoroughly enjoyed so far. A few points. Is it possible that it's lore and not Sung they meet? For me, it fills a gap and makes me happier. If it is Sung Jr., then it just feels a bit lazy plotting, really. Mm-hmm. Number two, the vision problem. Firstly, the mind melt. What utter tosh and a real belittling of the Vulcan race. Secondly, the golem I'm hoping and praying it's not bloody Tom Hardy with a prosthetic nose. <laughs> but I'm also hoping they do something more daring with it, uh, as they have hugely signposted that it would mean for Picard. Number three, JL, I love you. No need. Absolutely no need. <laughs> Number four, I'm still waiting for the board to kick ass and want them to, to just wake up fully and turn. Number five, flowers, nice enough to look at, but from a practical point of view, too much faffing about. Six, Seven needs her own series with Elnor as a partner. <laughs> Yay. Seven, I am fully bought into Rios and find him an interesting character, which could have far more depth if allowed. Number eight, I've not really got Gerardi. She just seems at times someone there to move things forward. She's a bit too disposable for my liking. Number nine, Narek. Did I miss him having his scar healed? As sure in one scene it was there, and then in the next it was gone. <laughs> Continuity, that, that was cool. Yes, I didn't. <laughs> that. Yeah, no, I didn't notice that either. 
I, I it's it's definitely there. Number ten, and finally, seven needs her own series. <laughs> yes, you're saying it twice, but it's true. It's true. <laughs> I don't know. I I I'm not sure. I agree with this. It's it's a little thing that I've noticed over the last couple of years. Whenever a, a character breaks out of the TV show, uh, everybody's looking for a spinoff, and I'm kind of going. But then you kind of hollow out the core of the main show if you keep taking all the good things about it and moving them off to their own shows. I'm really hoping that what they do in season two is give a big story arc to seven and have her kind of ground a few major episodes in, in yeah, the series definitely um, because there's going to be another 10 episode series hopefully and i don't know how much more you can ring out of picard without having uh, other characters stepping up to the plate and getting three or four episodes themselves i do love seven and elnor together i think they're really cool oh me too <laughs> what little we saw them this season yeah me too rich had this to say about episode 10 i enjoyed it but it felt it was all wrapped up a bit too quick and with a positive vibe. Personally, I would have liked a darker ending to set up season two. Stay safe, people. Rich. Thank you very much, Rich, for all that great feedback. Um, a couple of points I think we all we, I think we all want to kind of discuss some of your 11 amazing points. Mm-hmm. Um, so, John, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks, Richard, for that. Completely agree with you uh, on um, seven not necessarily needing her own series, but certainly uh, being with Elnor as her partner. Uh, I really have enjoyed Elnor. I think he's the new Huey for me because obviously <laughs> poor Hugh got killed. But um, I, spoilers, yeah, I, I I really felt that Elnor kind of really developed being with um, Seven of Nine. I really like that coupling together and kind of being this kick-ass team for sure i i thought that was really good and i'm the same with you i think rios really grew on me to be honest um and i really warmed to him and really got to to like the character of rios by episode eight episode nine i thought that was a really interesting character and i'm glad he's there now i was i just wasn't really very sure when we first met him man I wasn't really sure how he was playing into it. But in the end, I've really enjoyed that evolution of the character. And as I say, he, he grew on me, really. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting way to introduce the character, isn't it? Because you actually don't get to know Rios, the character himself, at all in those first couple of episodes that he's in because he's kind of hiding behind all of the holograms. So you get to kind of like the actor who's playing Christabel Rios, but you don't get to know the character at all until he has his final breakdown and tells Rafi what he did and what Starfleet made him do and wipe his past and uh, lie about the history of what happened to his captain, you know? Um, I think that was a really good breakdown moment. And it was it's really interesting trying to separate the actor from the character, I suppose, and, and kind of not introducing his own personality until later in the season even though you've seen him on screen multiple times uh, early on and a really interesting way to introduce the character uh, one thing i will say richard just looking back on your feedback especially uh, you're talking about episode nine there are so many options of how this season could have ended um based on on how you've seen episode episode nine you know so many things that they could have done in the final episode that a lot they just avoided you know um we mentioned very early on in the season that having a board cube and these returned xbs i suppose um seemed like something that should be a very central point to the show and they seem to have kind of swerved from it at the end and not really utilize them in any way that we thought they were going to. There's loads of warnings that something bad was going to happen. These Borg are going to awaken and do something, and then it didn't happen in the end. So Yeah, and I, I think that comes, Richard, to your point about the darker ending. I think um, I think there was two 
big pieces that were underutilized uh, in in the series. One is the Borg, um, which could really have darkened episode 10 and indeed episode 9. And I think that connection, you know, the, the treatment of the great threat here, these AI higher synths um, and you know, in some ways connected with the Borg, you know, this idea of robots and then cyborgs and then these, you know, uber AI uh, synthetics, uh, almost synthetic biologicals in a sense, uh, if that's not uh, an impossible thing to say. But <laughs> I, I think, uh, you know, that evolution um, and that somehow the Borg would would connect in with this um, higher, uh, th- this higher uh, AI synthetic um, and I, I think both of those were underutilized. I mean, I, I, I do think in, in hindsight, uh, a few sort of mechanical tentacles coming out of a wormhole just doesn't cut uh, this huge threat to um, organics mm. uh, in the galaxy, dare I say, yeah. in the universe. There's so, a really good theory that I've seen this week, actually, that we kind of missed. And it's pro- possibly because we didn't podcast about Star Trek Discovery. We should kind of guess that there was a connection here. Control from Discovery. I think you mentioned it at one point, Chris, which was a, synth- a synthetic group, effectively, a collective that were trying to kill all um, organics in Star Trek Discovery. Control is dealt with at the end of Season 2 of Discovery, I think. Um, They will form a part of Season 3, I presume, and this could be a connection to Control in in Picard's timeline, effectively, that they may have evolved a a bit further somehow, or re-evolved somehow, that these tentacles could be connected to Control. So it's an interesting theory. I didn't put it together, and I feel like it might be setting up something in... Um, Discovery, I think I mentioned when we talked about episode 10, I certainly would have liked the idea of having some more information so you could say definitively, this is supposed to be connected to something I saw over on the other show on CBS. But I mean, the thing <laughs> yeah. is, even though that's a theory, it's better than nothing. It's True. better than what we got, which, to be honest, with all the setup of it through the Chad Fash and all that, which I really, really enjoyed, it was kind of like popping the balloon and seeing it slowly deflate, uh, to be honest. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I think definitely those two things would have made the ending a lot darker um, and, and maybe have added even more to what happens with Picard, mm. um, which, dare I say it, um, to, to your point around the Golem, um, I think, you know, I, I said it on episode 10, I, I thought that was a, a great... A bold move from from the show mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, I, I'm I'm with all of you. I didn't podcast on episode nine, but I'm yeah. For me, it was the weakest of all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, for truly, where I am with this should have ended with a bang, but it ended with a whimper. Okay, uh, I, like in that I've kind of collected my thoughts in the week since we've recorded, and I know I'll, I'll, I'll be brutally honest. I've also gone out and looked mm-hmm. for some critical reviews of the season as well. Not, and by critical, I don't mean that they're overtly trying to just be negative on it. I mean critical, a proper critical review of the writing mm-hmm. and the the, the storyline and the the connection and direction and things like that. And everyone is around the, the same, which is it was a good first outing. Mm-hmm. But something's amiss. Yeah. yeah. There's too many dropped lines in, on dropped threads, storylines, I should say. Yeah. These big, these guys are like the Voldemort. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, 
you're you're bleeding it up and you're 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 hyping them up and you're hyping them up for a whole season uh, and everything is revolving around that and then they get what let's say three minutes of screen time of those three minutes it's like 30 seconds Three minutes of them coming out of the wormhole. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Genuinely, I was trying to work out who you meant were the big bad, Chris. And that's not to do with what you were saying. I think yeah. the show isn't very clear about who is the big bad because they throw so many new ideas into the mix throughout season one. You know, Shatvash and, and the synths uh, on Mars and then the synthetics on this planet, planet. Talshiar once again coming back. The Romulans overall are, are technically still a villain here. Is the Borg coming back? Could they be the big villain? That by the end of it, you kind of go, oh, oh, a higher power of synthetics, which is introduced in episode nine. There's, a, there's this other higher power of a collective of synthetics that's going to come in and kill us all. And you see them for three seconds and they're gone out of the screen. So that that's what I mean. I'm not sure whether I understand that there was a big bad we were aiming towards. Yeah. And I don't want to go back on what I said about episode 10, because I'm actually very satisfied with the show ending in a very Star Trek Picard way, with yeah. with Picard talking everybody down and saying, hang on a second, just because you have your missiles aimed at another planet to start an international war doesn't mean you have to do it. You still have a choice to stop it before it happens and we can look for a peaceful solution because that's the way I wanted this series to end. I didn't want any massive battle at the end. There's tons of other sci-fi shows for that. This felt like the right ending for the show. But I think we've all had a quick chat about this and I've thought about it over the course of the week as well. Uh, like you, Chris, something happened with this series at the end. Yep. Something happened with those last two episodes. Either they were unhappy with the final resolution um, CBS, the people that produce the show, either they were unhappy with the final resolution of what was happening and told them to go out and rewrite it, and they had to take out massive plot details, or they thought they'd have a have a two hour finale for the show, and they just started editing out massive sections of the show because there are, as you mentioned, loads of dropped story threads, loads of things that could have come back. Yeah. Maybe it was a budget thing. Maybe the renewal for season two meant they couldn't definitively end season one with Picard dying and him going off and finishing the show that way, which is maybe the way they wanted to originally do it, but everybody's happy to come back for season two. So they have to rewrite things for that. But yeah, so many threads just disappeared. And as we mentioned, what happened to Narek? He seemed to be quite a central character. And the last thing you see, see of him is being held by two security guards. And he's, and that, that's the end of his storyline, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think for episode nine, for me, what was evident was there was an issue with the writing and mm -hmm. it really jumped out at me because the writing up till then felt so certain, mm -hmm. so um, secure in itself in terms of what it was aiming to do. And then episode nine for me, there were just some drop points and I think you spot them really very clearly with characters. So for, the biggest one for me was just with Raffi uh, and Picard's conversation. Uh, as Richard says, you know, um, JL, I love you. There's no need, you know, in, in a sense, or th th this idea that uh, Jean-Luc and Raffi are saying I love you to one another. I think that could have been done in a way that was much more um, justified to Raffi's character, given she's been abandoned by Picard for, what, over mm -hmm. 10 years, 14 years, and, uh, the, you know, she's gone through a really great journey with her own issues around being obsessed effectively being a drug addict 
um, obsessing about the the Romulans to the extent where she is has effectively lost her family. And in the end, it's, it feels like that was never, ever an issue. And I'm not saying that we need to see loads of things between her and Picard to, to, to make that make that up. I think you could see that there was an underlying respect yeah. of these two characters to one another. Um, and gradually through the passage of time and, and working together in these situations, they were coming back together. Mm-hmm. But it, it just jarred that she wouldn't make the point despite everything. That's all it even needed in the writing. And it's a small thing. But it, it, it was the line, wasn't it? Yeah. It was the line where she says, you've done so much for me, I love you, JL. And you're going, I totally get the I love you, JL. That's that's a lovely moment. She's saying, truly, she has emotional feelings for her former captain. She She loves him for the person that he is. That's a great moment. But... To say for everything you've done for me, like leaving me abandoned for 14 years and not even contacting me feels like, did you even watch the first nine episodes yourselves, the writers in the writer's room? You know, it felt weird, but we do have more feedback. I'm sure we have many more thoughts about uh, about the episode. So let's move on to some feedback from Cassie Mack. Um, The problem with doing a pub quiz is we put out questions for all of our wonderful trackies and trackers. And Cassie Mack says, uh, I have some questions for you guys. Oh, no. (laughs) The tables have turned. Do it. (laughs) Cassie says, the imagination device that was given to Rafi, who helped Rios use it, and when La Serena had power again, they left it on the bridge. Later, when Dr. Gerati and Picard board La Serena, how does she know how to use it? How does unfamiliar with space travel, never been off-world, even know what was needed for the Picard manoeuvre? There seem to be a lot of little connecting bits that were cut for time. Most have been addressed by Michael Shabon on social media, but I haven't heard about this one. I hear people commend Shabon for being so publicly candid, but why wouldn't he be? He's done with this job, and his next one has locked down already. It was kind of refreshing. The be interview that saying anything spin gets old quickly. <laughs> um, the only thing this is probably headcanon, maybe, for me, as to why... Um, Jurati would know how to use that device. Remember, she did work on the planet with Dr. Sung, working with him on the um, on the synths for a while, for a couple of days or something like that, maybe a little bit more. So maybe she got to use the tool while she was on the planet. I think that was my working theory, was that because of her connection with Bruce Maddox, uh, working on synths before the lockdown and the synth ban, I just assumed that it was a tool really used to do some of these intricate pieces of work on the mind transfers and so on mm. within the synthetics uh, in the same way that that's why it used the imagination effectively. Yeah. Uh, so that all these details that Jurati talks about, about, you know, when she first sees Soji and, and realizes that actually she's synthetic where she, she talks about her, her moles and, um, mm-hmm. Or that she she gets hungry, she gets thirsty. That all those abilities to behave and feel biological are transferred in this way through this device in some way. And maybe she had some kind of knowledge about it through Bruce Maddox, and also with working with Doctor Soon uh, on with the synths yeah. on the synth homeworld. But um, I, I think for sure it, it's one of those things, um, like you say. That's not really shown. And yet what is shown previously with this device is Rios going, how the hell do I use it? There's not even an on button. Um, Okay, it's two different people, but 
if you're going to make that position where it's like, how the hell do you use this? Mm. You know, let's just take a leap of faith and they do it and it works. And then someone else just picks it up and uses it. It seems a little strange. Um, but she picks it up and she does describe it. She does she know does. the name she of it. Does. So I think she did use the tool before. I think that's that's what's supposed to be there. But I think we can all agree that the imagination device is a bit of an odd idea anyway. <laughs> yeah. So the way I took it is we saw her working on the Gollum piece. My assumption is there is a there's a cut scene where she's using a similar type of device mm-hmm where she's transferring something in preparation. Do you remember there was a scene where she comes in mm-hmm. to do something to the golem so she gets rid of Sung? Yeah. So that she can then run and grab Picard? Yes, she gets the eyeball out of, uh, yes, out of Saga. Yes, that was it. And I, maybe that was the device that she used to get the eyeball out of Saga. Maybe that was it. No, she, she pulled that out, she with, pulled her it out with her hand. She just pulled out with her hand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, she there was a scene just prior to that where she was working mm-hmm. in the golem room. Yeah. Or in the room... In a different room. But essentially, she was working with their technology. Mm-hmm. Go, and yeah. we do see that their t- technology is something like that because we see Soji doing it with her uh, builder blocks mm-hmm. um, on the kind of computer interface <laughs> uh, where it was she was building it and then it was building in real life. Yes. Headcanon slash editing makes me think that will probably was a scene. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Um but yeah, it's been really interesting seeing Michael Chabon talk about some of the things that go on in production. You know, not everything you write down makes it in a TV show or a movie. We totally understand that. Um, so it's been interesting hearing some of the ideas that he had behind some of the things that did make it a screen and some things that were cut and, and some edits. His uh, Instagram account, he does a kind of a question time with fans after they watch the episodes each week. And it's been it's been fascinating. But yeah, he's moved on. He's not going to be in, in season two of the show. He was always intended that he would be there for just season one. Uh, and a new showrunner is coming in for season two. So it'll be interesting to see what the new writers room comes up with in uh, Picard season two. Hopefully no more imagination tools, though. Well, it's there now. It's still on their shit for some reason. It's reality. Maybe somebody will steal it uh, the next time, the next episode, just so it's off the table. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, it fell off the table. Spank. Oh, it broke. Oh, no, we can never use it again. It's done. It's over. Um, Cassie continues with another question. Picard comments to Seven about Hugh, something like, I wonder what would turn such a gentle soul to an act of such unspeakable violence. What does he think Hugh did? Kill the XBs himself? That's all I can imagine. And Seven wasn't there when they were killed, but how could either of them believe that of Hugh? Maybe that comment could have been cut too, since it was never paid off. That's a really interesting one, Cassie. I remember that moment when uh, Picard said that to Seven, and I don't know why it didn't even cross my mind that uh, that's what he was saying about Hugh. Because there is no violence that Hugh commits in the show that we're aware of. At all, in fact. He, he stands side by side with Nerissa when she's pointing the gun at him and her men are pointing the gun at him and they kill the XBs. So how would Picard possibly assume that Hugh did that? Especially because he knows about Narek and Narissa being aboard the Borg ship. So that does seem like a very odd line now that you've, you've taken that out from the episode. I am slack-jawed here. Yeah, yeah me too. Oh my God. That is literally potentially some of the best proof that there was a, a missed storyline. Yeah, yeah. Because that would suggest that Hugh didn't die when he died in the original, mm-hmm. or he just, or when he was dying, he was doing, he was turning, he was attempting so, to do something. Yeah, I must so say, maybe I- he turned on the Borg. 
So, oh, if you imagine that he turned back on the Borg in mm. order to try and save them, he did what Seven did, but couldn't control it, and ended up trying. Because remember, there was a scene where we saw the Borg uh, in the, one of the trailers... For coming next episode, there was scenes of the Borg ships and nanites turning on and fighting some of the Romulan ships. Oh, no, I don't remember that at all. Yeah, that was in one of the things. Okay. So I'm wondering if the, he turned it on and tried to destroy some of the things, couldn't get it done. Then Seven turned it and it, it kind of went bad. And then Seven turned it on and did her whole connection and then like vented them all. Yeah. Or he vented them? No, no. the venting was done no, by Nerissa. No, but imagine yeah. he vented them. Yeah, but I, that's just not how it went down. So this is a really strange situation yeah. to have. I have to say, I can't fully remember that line um, in, in the in the episode, but I think um, it it could just be this uh, lack of communication. I mean, the only person there, like Elnor, was there with Hugh all the time, so mm-hmm. he knows what happened. Elnor's been with Seven, so whether it's Elnor has communicated something, but we know that Hugh hasn't done anything like that. So, And we know that Elnor speaks in absolute candor, exactly. so he definitely told the truth. <laughs> so, it's it again, it seems, as you say, Chris, it, it's this issue that seemed to happen with um, connecting things. And I think it, it comes to that point where, I suppose, again, you know, for me, this these last two episodes i really liked part two of et in arcadia ego um episode 10 um but part one kind of just muddled it all because it just felt like a really speedy ending and, and it seems like a lot of stuff was trying to be just articulated out to cover all this missed time that we'd had um i think it was like i was saying it's almost like it needed to be 12 episodes to give some of that space for the 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 run into the end a bit more breath um so that you could spend some time on the synth world you could understand sutra you could get some resolution on the attack on on mars Mm. other than that that throwaway line of um that the chad fash after they had um, seen the vision that they were going to go to the human world of Mars in order to do the attack on Mars. You know, it would it'd be better to have some more payoff for Raffi mm-hmm. to see a bit of that because it links into how the implications of effe- effectively the Romulan incursion into Starfleet by Commander O, which was really just dealt with with uh, Will Riker quipping to her well what do we call you now so again with the attack on mars i'm like going why do a three issue comic series running in doing the short trek which is really laying the foundation around Mm -hmm. that and then you don't give just that view of how this was all built up even if it was commander O captured by starfleet running through it and you're getting little glimpses of how it was done Mm -hmm. um it, it it feels really um, at odds, and I, I think like with this comment, uh, to be honest, for, from Picard, and it, it's not the only thing where Picard was a bit off in terms of what he was told to to say. Like the moment where his aromatic syndrome means that he says, "Welcome to the planet," and mm-hmm. falls back. It just seemed out of place. 
um, because he hadn't done anything like that well, up till yeah. up till then. Yeah, yeah. Well, but th- that was setting up something that was happening in episode ten. I kind of I can understand that more a little bit more now. Uh, this scene just feels like well, seven nine is in the show. She knew Hugh, Picard, and herself had talked about him before. And if you didn't have a moment of them saying, "Isn't it awful what happened to you?" then you would have missed a chance. And the only dialogue they had between the two of them was this line from a previously cut scene or a previously cut storyline that didn't make it to air so i understand what you mean cassie but i don't understand why this scene was in there i don't understand what picard could have been talking about in that scene i do want to know what we might have missed um in that discussion but i I think they just kept it in the edit because it would have been weird if seven and picard hadn't mentioned you when they met and that's the only line they had that's what it feels like yeah. Can I ask one other question? Mm-hmm. This is just actually leaded, and I'm going to actually put this out to all the industrialists. Um, why wears everyone gold? Bar Soji and uh, Daj. Soji and Daj are adva- the most advanced versions of um, the synths that have ever been created. And they mm-hmm. were their role was to go out and infiltrate and find out more information about the organics because the last time they'd sent out ambassadors they were killed by the organics that they met. So the mission of Daj and Soji was to find out whether they could be trusted effectively. Uh, that that seems to have been what the story was. So they waited until they could make proper synths from blood and tissue to send them out in the galaxy to gather information to bring back to them. That seems to have been their mission. Sure. It just it just seems I just thought about it. It was just like, yeah, that seems slightly weird that they're all all the rest of them like gold hue. But Data's whole thing was that he wanted the skin and he wanted to look normal and not be pale. Mm-hmm. So they went from pale. Do you know what? No. Do you know what's better than pale? Gold. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, well. <laughs> yeah, I think we, we had said it was, we just thought it, they were, you know, version ones. You know, they were kind of still developments on, on data, but mm-hmm. not to the level of Daj and Soji, I think. But um, maybe, yeah. Also, just coming back to the, the, um, the comment from Picard that Cassie raises, um, I, re- I think I know where it is now. And I, in my mind, I felt he, Picard was talking about how Hugh had died w- in terms of bleeding out with, with the, the dagger. I thought it was more to do that, you know, such a gentle soul to, um, sort of, perish in an in such an unspeakable violent way right i thought it was something like that again a bit like with derek i need to re-watch that episode but i thought that conversation between picard and seven was more about hugh being such a gentle soul um, and effectively going out really violently at Thank the hands you. of narissa i think but i'm not entirely sure um again as i said probably need to just re-watch that yeah. episode that makes much more sense now scrub everything that we've already said about this this that makes much more sense that that's what picard was saying was hugh was such a gentle person why would he die in such a violent way it's a hard an awful way to, for him to go yeah that makes much more sense yep oh that makes a lot more sense scrap everything myself and derek have said for the last 10 minutes <laughs> but we're not gonna edit it out of the podcast we were so intrigued by that piece of feedback from Cassie uh, that we did go back and watch the episode. Here's what Picard actually says in the episode. Poor Hugh. It must have taken appalling brutality to turn such a gentle soul to violence. So Cassie was right. And now I'm even more confused about that line in the episode. Yeah, I mean, 
it it kind of doesn't make any sense, really. It doesn't, does it? Um, and I think, I, I just wonder if it's because Hugh, you know, he, back in Next Generation, he is a very gentle soul. Hmm. Um, he maintains that aboard the, the Romulan uh, reclamation cube here. Yeah. And so... I just wonder whether he's meaning more generally that he had to fight for survival mm. because he was being hunted down with Elnor by Nerissa and the Romulans. Yeah. But in terms of what Picard is referring to, is it just simply that he was doing self-defense or was it that he thinks that he's jettisoned all the XBs and Borg or most of them yeah. from the cube, which we know was Nerissa and, giving the order. Yeah, and Seven was the one that reactivated them before they were launched. So surely she said that to Picard as well. So. Yeah, so it's totally confusing. It's just a bit of a, a mystery, really, yeah. why that line is there, and actually just to what it refers. Yeah. Um, so yeah, good spot, Cass. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, and as we said, uh, if you have any thoughts about the scene, email us at feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com because are we missing something? And I don't think we are. Anyway, just, just wanted to do that for clarity. Uh, back to Cassie's feedback at the podcast. Uh, Cassie finishes off saying, there were a bunch more questions and comments I wanted to send, but time got away from me and all the craziness, and you're in the future, so I'd better hit send before you get to Wednesday evening. But first, be safe, wash your hands, don't lick the podcast, look out for each other and yourselves, and we'll all get through this together. Thank you so much, Cassie. But you can lick the podcasters as much as you want. Um, Well, actually, you can lick your phone or whichever device our dulcet tones are coming out of, because... Well, it's not going to touch us, but I recommend not licking the electronics. No, no do not I, lick anything. No, don't moment. lick anything. No. Uh, yeah, thank you so much, Cassie, um, for for the feedback. It's really good um, to to get those thoughts and, and to get the questions. As you can see, we spent a lot of time answering questions. Mm-hmm. Usually, it's just us posing questions to each other. And it's just like, would you rather? <laughs> <laughs> Our final piece of feedback came in from Steve Bren on voicemail. Hey guys, it's Steve. This is for your season one Picard kind of wrap up. I know I didn't send voicemails in for the last couple of episodes just because they weren't really my favorites. There was a lot of things it felt to me like they rushed them. Uh, I don't know if maybe when they were producing these or, or in post-production, that was when all this virus stuff came up or what, I'm not sure, but it just felt like there was a lot of things that were skipped and rushed and that we missed out on as viewers. And that disappointed me quite a bit, those last two episodes. And, uh, but I do, I am intrigued for season two. I like the fact that we ended on this very bright note with, Picard and all the, the, the crew there. And it looked like seven of nine was even a member of the crew. They all had Starfleet badges. They all were in uniform. So it looked like next, next year uh, or next season, whenever that happens, uh, are they going to change the name to, you know, Star Trek La Serenta, uh, or keep it Star Trek Picard? Probably keep it Star Trek Picard. But uh, anyway, I do. I like the way it ended. I just wasn't, uh, wasn't pleased with the way they did these last two episodes. So uh, I know that's not a popular opinion, but it's mine. So I uh, can't wait to hear what you guys do next. If I'm uh, involved in it, if it's a, a show that I that I pick up on and uh, and intrigued by, of course I'll chime in. Thanks. Talk to you later. 
Thanks so much, Steve. Um, he also sent a follow-on email, said he must have completely misunderstood the last scene. I thought they were all in Starfleet uniforms with comm badges, um, but I guess they were not from what I've been told. I guess I need to rewatch the last three episodes. It still sets up well for season two if this crew is staying together. Thanks so much, Steve. Yeah, I think they just all had the La Serena communication badges on them, which I think is, might have caused the confusion for you. Um, it's great to see the, the crew together at the end of the show. I'm not really too sure where they're going because it doesn't seem to have set up why they would all be on the ship together going off somewhere other than, you know, aim for the star and straight on till morning. Isn't yeah, that the or, Peter Pan question? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Going back or going back to Earth. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a crop of uh, grapes to get in. Exactly. <laughs> We're off to Chateau Picard to take it, take care and take in this year's harvest, basically. Yeah, maybe that's it. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Steve, for, for the feedback. Um, yeah, I, I must say, I, I know we don't know where they're going, but I liked the image and for the final frame of, of Star Trek Picard for him to be saying engage, being on the bridge, of La Serena with um, all the people he's been involved in this adventure. I, I thought it was a really great end. Um, and I, I, I'm with you, and we, we've talked about it with re, uh, respect to Richards and, and Cassie's. Yeah, it, it, it felt rushed, um, the, these last two episodes of, of the series, mm-hmm. for sure. It felt something a little just off about them, maybe in terms of how they were or what they were expecting to do with the episodes. But I think there's some really, you know, I don't also don't want to be too down because I think there's some really great stuff in these last two episodes as well, um, which on their own uh, I think is massive for, for Star Trek. One of the things which I, I've mentioned already is just, I think, Picard becoming a synth, uh, going into that golem is um, is a great uh, ballsy move by um, by the writers and this production team. I really, really enjoyed it, and um, I will never forget uh, Picard and uh, Data having their final conversation. It's just so emotional. Mm-hmm. So there's some really awesome points in there, and I think just the. Uh, the death of Picard and the outpouring of grief uh, from Raffi and Elnor, uh, as well as with Rios and Seven of Nine, in in very different ways, because they they know the character in in different ways. I thought was really nicely done, and I think for me the Raffi Elnor one where they're just crying really uh, hit me, uh, and I think that's also because they're the two people that Picard pulls um, pulls out to 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 talk to to. Mm-hmm. Um, in that moment, uh, just before he dies. So it, it's there are some really great moments in part two. I yeah. have to say, um, and I, I think in some ways they do for me overshadow the the negatives around not fully explaining the attack on Mars. You know, where was Narek? Even though I think you know when you step back in and have the week to digest it, as we have done, you do go, yeah, that needed to be done better mm-hmm. for sure. But uh, thanks for the feedback. Yes, Steve, thank you so much for your feedback. I- I'm with the guys on this. Um, well, I- and I'm actually with you as well, which is that, that it feels rushed. We've discussed a lot of these points already. I think the the core thing is that, like all of us, we're kind of still excited for season two mm-hmm. to see where yep, it goes. Exactly. I think that's the kind of core thing. Is like they are allowed a misstep. They're allowed th- this as long as, in my opinion... Again, this is all our opinions. Uh, as long as it starts to pay off in season two, um, in that 
if this same thing that starts to happen in the end towards the end of season one happens straight away from beginning of season two, I will not be happy mm-hmm. if there are these additional threats. But they also get a bit of a do over because the scene is the stage is set. Mm-hmm. The scene is dressed now. They they have literally kicking off season two with a fully realized crew, mm-hmm. um, a, a ship, and they get to boldly go where no man, woman, or alien has gone before. <laughs> that being said, Mark Bernardin is one of the writers on season two. Yeah. Uh, one of the, he's one of the best TV writers at the moment, in my opinion. Um, I I like his opinions on, and I like what he's done on a lot of like Treadstone and Castle Rock. His episodes were quite good for those two shows. Right. The other staff writers there as well are well known, mm-hmm. and they they're known for what they do well. Um, and all of them have publicly said how much of a Star Trek fan they are yeah. and can talk about it. We've got a good foundation for season two. Yeah. I think yeah. that's the core thing. It's it's interesting, actually, Chris, you saying, um, and I hope that it pays off in, in season two, because the interesting thing about this season one is that I feel that it could have wrapped up. And I think Star Trek is something where they could be going off on a on a different um, adventure. And maybe, okay, this is, is still... Uh, mulling away in the background, uh, a, a bit like how they tackle Discovery, I suppose. You know, like in Discovery, where you have the 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 mirror universe, mm-hmm. um, and then in season two, they 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 really do go off in a different way because they've they've kind of ended that. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting you say that, Chris, because I'm just like going, I wonder what they will do. It, are they going to continue this thread into season two where it? Um, it really does connect with season one, or will they go off in a different way for a different purpose? But it may connect them back in with these higher synthetics that were the big threat. Yeah. It, I suppose, in a sense, how connected will these two seasons be? It'll be interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully, all the cast that we have at the end of the at the end of the episode are going to be there at the start of the next season. That's that's what I'm hoping for. That's, oh, absolutely. That's yeah, definitely. I um, hope so. The one terrible thing I will say is it's awful to be going into the second season hoping that they're not going to end it the way they ended season one. That's an awful feeling to have because I really did enjoy season one, most of it. Like There's only a couple of particular gripes I have about it. And unfortunately, Chris, you're never going to know if they're setting up threads that they aren't going to end until the end of the season. So um, so that sucks as well. You know, you're not going to know how they're going to treat the show until the full season is out there. So um, so all we can really do is hope they treat the characters well and, and give better stories uh, to all of them next season. And I think they've set them up quite well. They don't have to do that setup in season two. So that hopefully gives them a bit more parameters. I often think when you look back on shows you've watched over the years, it's very rare that you say the first season of the show is the one that people should check out of a show you love. Mm. You know, it's season three of Next Generation is what everybody says. If you want to watch Star Trek Next Generation, watch from season three onwards. You don't need to see the first two seasons. That's 44 episodes of a show that people don't recommend to you. And then they try to compare it with 10 episodes of season one of Picard, you know? Um, so I Game understand. Of Game, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. I love season one of Game of Thrones, but it's got no budget 
And they yeah. avoid every battle throughout season one of Game of Thrones. So you want people to watch it just so they get the storyline and then move into season two and season three kind of thing. But that's almost every show I can think of off the top of my head yeah. has always had a better second and third season. So hopefully um, this misstep at the end of season one will be fixed. Whoever caused it, whatever it was caused by, hopefully it'll be sorted. Because one thing I did notice from the podcasts and from the reviews that I saw, uh, a lot of people talking about how disappointed they were at the end of Picard. There was a lot of nitpicking about tiny little things that really didn't have a problem overall for me on the show. And I think that's just because most people, including myself, can't put their finger on what it is they didn't like at the end of the season. Everybody just knows there's something wrong, but nobody knows why. And I don't think we'll ever know why it went wrong at the end of the season. I think we will. I think time I think potentially it's going to be that kind of rumor mm. that gets out that it will, because unfortunately a lot of shows right now are on hiatus mm-hmm. uh, from filming. That hiatus can only last so long because a lot of stars, a lot of, um, a, a lot of the, the actors and so things may have had especially uh, Sir Patrick Stewart, may have additional things in the background. Mm-hmm. Like, So he may have had six months to film season two, for example. Yeah. And then he was going to, f- he was already scheduled to film another six months of, uh, of a film or eight, like eight months for a film or something like that. This additional knock-ons can, lead, can potentially, it's like the, the SAG writer's strike. It did lead to the death of some shows. Mm-hmm. I don't see this happening with this, but I can see it. Well, essentially, that's also what happened during that screenwriters. When things started dying and things started happening like that, we started getting like what happened to during Angel, like the 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 what happened really between the scenes in Angel, mm. and all these types of backstabbing because oh, I'm never going to have to get to work on the show again. Yeah. Well, here's the real truth. Yeah. Some of that rumor mill will happen, I yeah. think. I think there is a, a very different situation that we're in now, especially during that writer's strike. They started pulling out episodes of shows that were written five or six years beforehand and just produced them because they, they could, effectively. Oh, yeah. Whereas now... <laughs> yeah. We own the script. Everybody's out of production now. Everybody. So hopefully what that means, and this is, I would think we were talking about this the other day, hopefully that means that people who have got scripts that are in production and production isn't happening on them, hopefully those script writers take those scripts back and give them another pass so they don't have problems like this where they didn't have time and had to rush the writing on episodes. Hey, there you go. There is some positivity, I guess, then from COVID-19. Maybe some uh, script writers who were previously under a lot of time pressure to deliver scripts very fast and had to do some kind of sidestepping or miss some points. Maybe they'll have an opportunity to rewrite uh, episodes to make them even better. Yes, hopefully so. That's it for the feedback that we've got. And any other thoughts about season one of Star Trek Picard overall? John, you had a few thoughts? Yeah, I think it's just bringing it um, back maybe to a more positive element because overall, I really actually like this show. Um, I And all my quibbles, most of them are minor. Um, and I have to say, you know, Patrick Stewart as Jean-Luc Picard being back on screen what a tour de force. I loved how they used his character, now the older version of Jean-Luc Picard. Um, there, there was so many emotions here for me. Just seeing his performance was great. I loved this, that, that kind of, um, that grandeur that he brings to it, mm-hmm. um, to this operatic in space, um, him connecting in with, 
Will Riker, Deanna Troy, and seeing that nostalgia, and I mean that in a good way, but just having, um, you know, that that connection back with the, those two are mm-hmm. on their uh, new home planet was was really nicely done, and having Will Riker turn up to save the day. So, you know, normally I'm a bit down about nostalgia because I think it can be bad. But I think here, they what I mean by, rather than nostalgia, they really captured the essence of the next generation with those returning characters. Mm-hmm. And I think they really tried to imbue the the new characters uh, with that as well. But giving them a bit more of an up-to-date modern twist now, you know, because things have changed. Things have moved on. And in that sense, like... um I loved Rafi and Elnor, um, and Elinor is my new Huey, um, and it was great to see Hugh back in um, seeing Seven of Nine. Um, I, I thought that was really nice, and I, I think the other big thing for me was I loved the fact that this connected us in with the Romulans, and I loved getting a bit more of the the Romulan um, lore, effectively, mm-hmm. um, around the Chad Vash uh the Destroyer of Worlds, the Shev Ganeb, um, all of that was fascinating for me. I really like it when they delve into these uh, s- the species that they've created on the show, like with the Klingons, like with the Vulcans, uh, and and so on. Even and having the Borg there as well. You know what an iconic, uh, two iconic bad guys from the Next Generation in the Romulans and the Borg. And mm-hmm. I, whilst yes. They may have been underutilized. It was great having them there at uh, the Borg. It was great having as well Laris and Shaban as well. The 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 former Romulans Tal Shiar as well. Uh, there uh, with Picard uh, at his chateau. Um, it's a shame they didn't go into space with him, but um, again, it was a nice connectivity to the earlier sort of setup comics that had been released. So. Really, really like that um, as well. So two great characters. Yeah, yeah, really. A lot of this though hinged on Patrick Stewart, and again, he just showed his his acting chops here. Mm. Um, I loved his and Raffi's relationship. I think uh, just really nice. Raffi is a great new character mm-hmm. that I can't wait to see more of um, as well. Um, and I think some of the different things as well. I like the fact that La Serena did have a kind of a mass effect vibe it it didn't feel necessarily of the star trek world but um it certainly didn't seem out of place uh, it was a spaceship okay. uh, and i i liked its design but I, and i liked that mass effect aesthetic to yeah. it it's a spaceship and 15 years on from the last spaceship yeah exactly well, so, exactly yeah. and of course Whilst arguably one of the most divisive parts um of this series i loved the flower power planetary <laughs> defense system. Um, we come to stop you acting in war by coming in peace. What mm-hmm. a great idea. Um, and I think... With flowers that drag you to our planet. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> to your death. <laughs> uh, to, well, potentially to your death. Or, you know, we 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 stop you attacking by hugging you with flowers. <laughs> um, I just thought it was something different. Yeah, I thought it was something kind of... Visually, it looked amazing. Yeah. Um, for sure. And I think, as you said, Chris, uh, on our episode 10 discussion of Star Trek Picard, um, it's one of the things that you kind of feel that Star Trek can do. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think if suddenly in Star Wars there were flowery planetary defenses, that might 
look or feel certainly out of place but this for some reason didn't um (laughs) and uh just having the connectivity with data as well uh through soji Mm -hmm. and daj to picard and that connection with insurrection um star trek insurrection is is phenomenally good um and so yeah it really i just wanted to kind of just quickly signpost those bits that I really loved yeah. of, of this series. Yeah, yeah, no, I'd agree with you. There's a lot of uh, a lot of great stuff happening in the series. I think part of the challenge at the end of the series is most of my issues, I'll say, or most of the things I didn't like happened in the last two episodes, but so much that I did like happened over the first eight weeks. So I really had some great moments in this series that are, that will stand out, and I'll definitely go back and watch the full series again in the future. It's just a shame that things that I don't like happened at the end because that. That's the that's the bit that leaves the bad feeling in your mouth. If things that I didn't like happened in episode two, it'd be grand. I'd have forgotten about them by now. <laughs> so, Derek, I'm going to ask you to take Star Trek out of your mouth and stop putting it in your mouth in the first place. <laughs> um, it should be watched with the eyes. Not Social the distance yourself from Star Trek. I like it. I yes. Like it. No, um, just don't lick it. You don't need to put it in. <laughs> but maybe by the time it gets to season two, all of this will be completely forgotten. Yes, the end exactly. Of season one, but I am looking forward to a season two. Chris, any thoughts about uh, Star Trek Picard season one? Yeah, I, I think you guys have completed everything and we've discussed them. We're all on the same page. I think the best analogy for me is this is fantastic gymnastics performance in the Olympics. It's top class. It, it It's literally some of the best in this field. It's an amazing performance that you're just like, this is great. You're watching it. You're wowing. It's just at the, the very end, she just drops her foot. And she's doing the performance and she lands in a weird way and the, the leg goes out of the back mm-hmm. and she's like wobbling a tiny bit after doing a big triple backflip spin in the air. And you're like, I can, I can never do this. <laughs> oh, she just, she stuck the landing, but just kind of missed it at the end. I think that's <laughs> it. I, I, like we saw some great backflips. We saw some great spins, some amazing ribbon work. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's just that, 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 that landing here. at the end. Um, it was just, yeah. So was there good ball work? There's always good ball work. Excellent there really stuff. is. Like it's the ribbon and balls actually. The, and then it's just that triple flip with the ribbon and the balls and the juggling midway through. Um, but yeah, I just think, I think that ending just left a, a weird taste in my mouth and it just, it soured us slightly. Mm-hmm. So I think overall, I enjoyed it. Overall, I want to see what they're going to do in season two. I want to know how they're going to portray some of these stories. Mm-hmm. So Rafi and Seven mm-hmm. holding hands. Is that just friendship? Is that potentially more? Was there like, is there something we're supposed to, they're setting up? Is Gerati going to pay for her crimes? She literally killed a man. See, that was one that I that I only noticed when I was writing out the synopsis for season one. I wrote out all the detail that happened in season one. And it's very likely intimated that that forcing of Jurati to see the admonition also implanted in her to kill Bruce Maddox. That yeah. she, it was implanted in her to murder Bruce Maddox and by her saving Picard that she's gone through a redemptive arc towards the end of the season. But there was no investigation done on it, as you say, and they they didn't really treat her as one of the crew. They still they needed her help a lot, so they kept her along with them because they needed her help. But she hasn't actually paid for murdering someone other than within her own mind. She's she's freaking out a lot over the last couple of episodes that she killed her former lover, but she hasn't been actually um 
released from the possibility that she murdered somebody or anything like that. So I think that hopefully will come back in season two. I absolutely hope that we see more of Seven and Rafi together. They're definitely two of my favorite characters in the season. I hope they're in a relationship. I hate that I have to ask that question. I hate that it is a question. <laughs> Why is it a question? Why couldn't you have them kissing each other and everybody goes, oh, I wonder if the, if their relationship will continue into season two. Why are we asking the question whether they are in a relationship or not? It's supposed to be intended that they are yeah. by the end of the season. But make it more obvious because I hate the conversation that has to happen. These should be representative of two bisexual people. Yeah, okay, they had relationships with men before, but they're now having a relationship with each other because they like each other. Oh no, how awful is that to be able to say at a TV show? We're in 2020, for God's sake. Um, So I hate that that question is out there. It should be clearer, and hopefully it will be in season two. Exactly. It's like Elnor and Rios. I Mm -hmm. just wish they would make it clearer that they were sort of... Together, no, in, Elnor, in a relationship. Elnor and Hugh were definitely no, they setting up to be together, right. without a doubt. Although Elnor yeah. seems to be very attracted to Seven as well. So Elnor's basically got the mind of a child. Let's not remember this. Yeah. Like everything's new to him. Absolutely. So it's just taking all that setback. It's going to be interesting where they go with season two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, literally, will we at the end of season two go? Do you know what? All of that paid off. They they actually took what we wanted and they they took the threads through. Or we will literally turn around and go. Do you know what? They dropped everything from season one, started afresh, gave us what we wanted, and actually they they turned the ship around. Mm. We don't know. I'm interested to see where we will boldly go where no show has gone before. <laughs> well, actually, every show has gone before because it's a it's a recurring series yes but let's see one final thing we didn't mention uh that that steve had kind of intimated on his voicemail he was wondering whether the coronavirus may have affected this final two episodes i know it didn't and the only reason i know for a fact that it didn't was all of the ready room episodes those interviews episodes that will wheaton did with the cast they were all recorded months ago because they're on the same room together and they wouldn't be able to do that now um, so this show was com- absolutely completed probably around February, uh, January of this year. So um, they may use that as an excuse sometime in the future, but uh, but that was definitely no involvement uh, with the coronavirus. I think the show actually completed filming quite a long time ago as well. So so no impact from the coronavirus. No, no. The only impact is probably they if they get do a rerun in the next couple of weeks, they might get some extra uh, viewing numbers for it. Exactly, exactly. But it's it's available now on Amazon Prime, uh, and it's free on CBS. They made Alexa, it free, so, yeah. yes. Yeah. So everybody can watch it now. Time to get your drinks ready and get over for a bit of social activity in 10 Forward with our poll quiz, The Finale. All questions answered, all winners revealed. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Welcome, fellow Trekkers and Trekkies and pub quizzes to 10 Forward. Pull up a Romulan ale, get yourself a earthbound gin and tonic or beer, maybe even a tipple of deep, dark, chocolatey red wine from a French vineyard somewhere, maybe like a Chateau Picard Mm -hmm. 86. Uh, That's a spoiler for one of the questions, uh, (laughs) by the way. Uh, But let's get into uh, the 10 Forward Pub Quiz. Thank you so much to everyone who has been sending in your answers. It's been really good to get uh, all the answers through. Uh, It is certainly a very, very, very close call uh, at the top. Dare I say it, I will announce the results of the top three in a sense we are kind of replacing the olympics for this year here with the podium 
of bronze, silver, gold for the top three, but it is massively a close call. But I think a rundown through the questions with their answers. So question one, what common piece of jewellery is featured in the episode and what does it represent? The piece of jewellery is a necklace and the two interlocking circles on the necklace represents fractal neuronic cloning. It also looks like the Omega symbol, which is for infinity, which is kind of how they're able to get and use the little piece of data that survived to create Soji and Daj. So, um, yes, uh, it is. They are the two points here, necklace and fractal neuronic cloning. That's an unusual necklace. May I see? My father gave it to me. It's a symbol for fractal neuronic cloning. I'm sorry. It's a radical, beautiful idea of Maddox's. His theory was that Data's entire code, even his memories, could be reconstituted from a single positronic neuron. Good stuff. Straight from their meds. Exactly. That's the actual answer for that. To your ears. <laughs> yes. Um, question two. How many days has the Romulan reclamation site gone without assimilation? The Romulan reclamation site has gone 5,843 days without assimilation. I loved it when we did the episodes. Um, they hadn't been released uh, when we did these these couple of episodes, the first podcasts for them. And I think almost immediately after that sign was on the wall, it was up for sale on Amazon and on Etsy and that kind of stuff, where uh, this number of days from last assimilation was up there. So this became one of those... Uh, one of those images from the episode that was shared everywhere. And we just watched the episode and thought, this would be a really good trivia question. <laughs> but yeah. everybody got it right. <laughs> uh, question three. What year is the Chateau Picard vintage drank by Raffi and Picard as they dredge up the past? It is an 86 vintage of Chateau Picard. Dare I say it? A 2386 vintage. Ooh. So a controversial answer for this one. Because the actual conversation that they have was at the end of episode two at episode three had them drinking the 2386 but i think we can we can give it to everybody that got that right because it was a, absolutely it was a nice little nod. as controversies go i don't think yeah. it's that controversial yeah. um it is possibly uh slightly more tricky to deal yeah. with yes yeah but a, a nice little reference as well we, uh, we we if you work out the years the 14 years beforehand when picard retired from Starfleet uh, was twenty three eighty five, so this would have been the first um, crop that he would have gotten, the first harvest that he would have gotten from Chateau Picard after he retired. So that's why it's a special uh, vintage. Um, so a nice little uh, little eighty six reference in there. Exactly. Okay, on to question four. What book did Picard give to Elnor on his trip to Vashti fourteen years previously? Picard gives Elnor the Three Musketeers by Alexander Dumas. On guard. What did you bring me? What did I bring you? Well, now let me see The Three Musketeers by Alexander Dumas. <laughs> Enjoy. He said it sounded like Father Christmas in that, didn't he? I mm -hmm. think. Um, oh, yes. What do I have? With, with his sack giving the, the children presents. Yes. And uh, on to question five with that. This is a four pointer. What are the number of domes on planet Vergessen? How many are in the Conclave? How many umbrellas are in Rios's Temtibi Lagoon cocktail? And how many feathers are in Rios's hat? There are seven domes on planet Vergessen. 
The Conclave is made up of eight. There are two cocktail umbrellas in Rios's cocktail, and Rios's swanky hat has two feathers, Ooh. a red and a greeny-blue feather. That's right. Yes, that's right. This is what made uh, the top three very close, this question. Mm-hmm. Okay, on to question six. How many pieces make up each side of Narek's Romulan Rubik's Cube of Death? <laughs> now, this even stumped uh, those that were asking the question. So there are a number of different answers that we accepted for this. But in the main, I was looking for the nine pieces that made up each side of Narek's Romulan Rubik's Cube. If you said 54 pieces in total, minus the edging pieces, that was also accepted. And also, if you included those edging pieces, then it was 17 pieces that make up each side of Narek's Romulan Rubik's Cube. So mm. all 9, 17, or 54, if you were giving it for the whole Rubik's Cube, um, with 9 pieces each side, they were all accepted. Right. Um, but the consensus was 9. We did have one uh, person who had also uh, taken on the edging pieces. And so we said, well, that's a valid uh point to take mm-hmm. so yes uh a difficult one for us i'm never going to do a geometry based pub quiz question ever again <laughs> um, never ever again if it doesn't come out in dialogue there's no point <laughs> no. In, in doing it so at least you have the subtitles to and give you the answers so. exactly and certainly not for something as elaborate as the romulan rubik's cube mm. Of it's got loads death. of moving pieces as well, like the top flips open at a point in the episode as well. So, uh, yeah. Exactly. Um, but nonetheless, it was a good call by all the entrants. So, really good. Uh, question seven. What three ingredients were on the pizza that Will Riker cooked on Nepenthe? The three ingredients are Antarian basil, tomatoes, and bunny corn sausage. Non-veminous and fresh. You can lie down inside's room and rest while Will makes us dinner. Pizza from the wood-fired oven, tomato and basil from our garden, and non-venomous bunny corn sausage. Sounds wonderful. Thank you. Now for question eight. How many holograms meet with Raffi? What are their functions, and what are the names of the three we know? The reason why it's three and not four is because at this stage when we wrote the question, we only knew of three, but a fourth name is brought to light uh, later on in the series. We should have guessed that was going to happen, shouldn't we? Of course. (laughs) But how many holograms met with Rafi? It was five. Their functions were emergency medical, emergency hospitality, emergency navigational, emergency engineering, and the emergency tactical hologram. The names for uh, the emergency tactical hologram was Emmett. He was the one with the Spanish accent. There was Enoch, that was the emergency navigational hologram, who had the Irish accent. And then there was the emergency engineering hologram, who was Ian with the Scottish accent. Mm. Um, The fourth one that came to light after episode eight was Emile, which was the emergency medical hologram. So with an English accent. So, of course, we did have a Scotsman, Irishman and an Englishman joke possibly to hand. So close. But so close (laughs) yet so far. That Um, was a three pointer. Yeah. And lots of people pointed out. How do you spell Ian with an E 
since everybody spells Ian with an I or two I's even in the name. So uh, some people spelling it Owen, but we did accept it because that is a that can be pronounced Ian. But uh, but the character's name was Ian in the show. Yes. Question nine. How many Romulan ships are heading to Capellius to destroy the synth world? And how many giant bogey flowers do the synth send up to intercept La Serena, the Borg Cube, and Narek's snakehead Romulan fighter? It is 218 Romulan warbirds, and five of these beautiful orchid flowers are sent up to lovingly intercept the three ships. <laughs> Embrace them. Yes. Embrace them with a hug. <sighs> oh, man. How many? Uh, 218 warbirds. Oh, 218. Mm-hmm. That's not so bad. True. You really only have to worry about the first 109. And finally, fellow pub quizzes, what does Dr. Jurati call the device that Rios used to fix La Serena and Picard uses to pull off the updated Picard maneuver? Let us leave that to Dr. Jurati herself. How the hell will we do that? If only we had some kind of wacky fundamental field replicator with a neuroatomic interface. Interface. So we, like most of our listeners, did um, rely on the subtitles for <laughs> the answer to that as well, just to make sure that we had it absolutely right. Yes, exactly. The magical mystery spanner um, that Dr. Jurati and Rios use is in fact a wacky fundamental field replicator with a neuroatomic interface. Mm -hmm. Say that faster three times. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was worth a try. It was worth a try. <laughs> I am not good at doing that. A wacky fundamental field replicator with a neuroatomic interface or a wacky fundamental field replicator with a neuroatomic interface. Yeah. I am not that great with tongue twisters, uh, <laughs> but thank you so much, fellow pub quizzes, for all the answers that you sent in mm -hmm. and for all those that took part. I'm going to give you the top three here now. Um, so actually, second and third is a tie between uh, Bob Phillips and Will Walton, who mm -hmm. both got 16 out of 17 correct unfortunately the one that they fell down on were the number of feathers in rios's hat uh they indicated that there was one feather instead of the two plumages that came from the hat that's right i had to, had to go back and actually watch the episode again because i was i was questioning myself when i saw a, quite a few people come in with just one feather but i think it's in dialogue they say your hat needs a feather but when you see him on the planet um he's wearing uh, two feathers in his hat. Yes, and drum roll, uh, national anthem prepared, get the flag going. Mm -hmm. It is for the winner of the 10 forward pub quiz is Cassie Mack with oh, 16 and a half out of 17. Ooh, that is close. Yes, it was at the loss of half a point was on a technicality. I am a harsh harsh mistress mm -hmm. um because uh actually cassie did get all the ingredients right for uh will riker's pizza except uh did not specify that it was anterior basil oh wow oh that's probably because he says the anterior basil a little bit later it's in the episode exactly that's the 
the reasoning. Yeah, yeah, very good, very good. But we did specify it because uh, in the episode it was very clear what uh, what each ingredient was, and they, it would have been quite simple for uh, for just basil and um, tomato. Would but nonetheless, sixteen and a half is a great, great score. In fact. The top three are so, so close. Mm-hmm. It was really uh, great scoring these because I was just like, oh, my goodness. OK, this is really, really close. <laughs> um, it w- I mean, it was close with all the others as well. Yeah. Um, so uh, thank you so, so much for everyone p- who participated again. I yeah. love doing these pub quizzes. Um, I just think we should maybe do it all together with booze in hand like a real pub. Absolutely. And maybe when COVID-19 is over we'll hire a pub somewhere and we'll run a tv podcast industries pub quiz i don't know next to some kind of fan fest or something that'd be great absolutely absolutely things will return to normal at some point congratulations cassie and yeah thanks so much for all of the entries from everybody that's been entering the pub quiz Uh, it's always great fun to have a little trivia moment at the end of each episode and it's turned into pub quiz trivia uh, as as we've gone on over the years so i like that yeah Cool. Thank you so much and congratulations, Cassie. Yeah, congratulations again, Cassie, and to everyone involved. Great stuff. So the prizes that we had up for grabs as part of the pub quiz was, of course, the Star Trek Picard Federation badge that none other than Derek got himself uh, at the European premiere, a Picard beer stein, and an official behind-the-scenes book. We'll be in uh, contact with Cassie to organise everything. Of course, restrictions being what they are, it may take a bit longer than usual. Um, but fear not, they will be winging their way through postal services. Unfortunately, we do not have transporter technology mm-hmm. or those really cool transporter doors. Remember, yeah, from like the first episode. That was awesome, yeah, that yeah. was cool. That was really cool. I'd love to be able to just uh, pop. Uh, the, the goodies into one of those doors and have them arrive at Cassie's doorstep. But we will have to wait until normal service resumes. But they'll be, they'll be there for you, don't you worry. And thanks so much again, Cassie, and, and everybody else for getting involved. Um, we hopefully, we'll have another uh, pub quiz round when it gets round to uh, to Penny Dreadful. Maybe it'll be the Buckets of Blood pub quiz, or... It might have to be something from a horror pub like something like the slaughtered lamb from the american werewolf in in london nice. or the monsters mash yes <laughs> that could be we good. could take an alien type one like the green man or something like that maybe yeah maybe i'm sure we can have it i'm sure we can think or maybe of the world's end what do you think fellow industrialists let us know on the back of a postcard well, actually probably on facebook over on facebook.com slash group slash tv podcast industries or over on twitter at tv pod industries yep. or as always you can email us to feedback at tv podcast industries.com that's it that's all of our discussions about star trek picard for 2020 i presume we're not going to be talking about it again until uh, season two is coming back hopefully next year we'll see how that goes Thank you so much for joining us for the last uh, 11 weeks for Star Trek Picard. We hope you'll stay with us for Penny Dreadful City of Angels and for our recap and rewatch episodes of Penny Dreadful, which are being released now uh, on our main feed on TV Podcast Industries. If you want to get those episodes actually individually, you can go over to dreadfulpodcast.com and put in them out as individual episodes for all 28 episodes of Penny Dreadful uh, seasons one to three. Uh, Or you can go and support us over on patreon.com slash TV Podcast Industries. Throw us a couple of books and you can get access to all of the podcasts for Penny Dreadful that we're releasing over there as well. Yes, help us keep the lights on and the podcast mics powered. Mm. A little goes a long way, but obviously uh, any help helps. <laughs> and yeah, absolutely huge thank you to everybody that supports us over at Patreon. It's been uh, been wonderful to have the support over the last couple of months. Thank you so much for that. 
Yeah, thank you so much, fellow Trekkies and Trekkers. It has been great talking everything to do with Star Trek. Uh, certainly this lovely, soft, gooey Picard uh, that we've all enjoyed mm-hmm. watching back on the screens. Uh, what a ride that was. Uh, as always, it has been a pleasure speaking with you, discussing everything uh, to do with Star Trek Picard uh, and getting connected in with uh, the podcast and Trek community. Yet yeah, we'll see you for the dreadful podcast part four uh, when we cover City of Angels. Uh, remember, keep watching, keep listening and engage. Bye. I'm doing the live long and prosper. You just can't I, see. I thought you were trying to count down. Five, four, three, two, one. Bye.